Welcome to the Birth Prep Podcast. I'm Taylor, and I'm here to help you prepare your mind, body, and team to best support you during your birth experience. back to the birth prep podcast. Today's podcast is a replay of my recent free event, Three Things You Don't Know About Birth. I covered a lot of awesome information. This is jam-packed. There's also a Q&A session at the end, and there were some amazing questions asked. I love them. I also opened the doors for the birth prep course. Those are open for a few days. If you are wanting to take your birth preparation to the next level, this is for you. There's more information. Ugh, I'm so sick. I'm sorry. There's more information at the link in my bio. No, this is not TikTok or Instagram. This is my podcast. It's in the show notes. <laughs> I need to go back to bed. Anyways, let's move on to the replay because it was a good one. We're going to dive into this. Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Um, try to stay muted until the end. And if you have any questions, we're gonna I have time at the end where we can chat about them. And I apologize, I have a cold today, but we're gonna do this anyways, and it's gonna be great. Um, but just that's why I look like this. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm sharing with you guys today three things that you don't know about birth. Before we dive into that, I'm gonna quickly introduce myself. These are some little fun facts about me. I'm Taylor, I'm a birth prep coach. I love doing this work. I had to learn all of these things the very hard way. And I don't want that for you guys. I want you guys to be equipped with the things that you guys need in order to have a much better experience than I've ever had in the past, right? Um, I don't believe that. Well, we'll talk about that in just a second. I have a lot of thoughts, but um, before we dive in, I do want to ask you guys, um, what are some of your beliefs? And do I even have the chat pulled up? Gosh, darn it. How do I do that? I don't think I'm going to see the chat. Pop your beliefs in the chat. Nonetheless, if you guys have, let's see. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of the things that I used to believe about birth, I'll share those with you. Um, I used to believe that I have to do what the doctor says. Um, If you believe that, you know, just we're going to talk about it. <laughs> um, I be- I always believed that it was going to hurt, but it was going to be so worth it, right? It didn't matter what I was going to experience. It was going to be so worth it and not a problem, but it, it was going to hurt for sure. Um, and then I believed that going overdue was bad. I believed that if like you had a C-section, you were always going to have to have a C-section. I believed a lot of things, right? I don't believe any of those things anymore. And I'm talking about this first. I'm starting here because... The fact is, whatever you believe about birth, your body believes you. And it's important to really realize like, hey, what are my core beliefs about my body's capabilities? What are my core beliefs about my provider, the provider that I chose, my partner that's going to be there with me, my birth team, whoever you're inviting into your space that day? Um, I would really urge you to dive into those beliefs because those are very important. Oh, the chat, I can see. It's just as much mental as it is physical. Yes. Kristen, I love that. We're going to talk about that for sure. Um, Okay, so let's dive into these points because I have a lot to cover and I want to save time to have you guys ask questions. I have a little announcement and what else? Oh, I just want to be respectful of your time. So I'm going to try to do all of this in an hour. 
<laughs> as promised. Um, okay. So the first point is birth doesn't have to suck. I always believed that birth was supposed to suck. That was just a core belief that I had of mine. And when I went into my birth, like I totally believed that there were people experiencing these beautiful, magical experiences. I saw it. I had evidence of that, but I'm like, oh, they were totally born that way. Um, and I wish that's me, right? I hope that's me. I, I pray that I am one of those people that was blessed by God and like a, a, one of God's lucky few favorites, right? And I was like, that's just how they they were built. They were built to birth. I'm like, I hope that's me, right? Because I wanted a lot of kids, all the things. And, but I believed like birth was probably going to suck for me. Like vast majority, it sucks for most people. That's like the, you know, the exception to the rule. So I totally believed that it was going to suck. And when I had my first experience and it totally sucked, it just solidified that belief for me. So I believed it. I'm super laggy. Oh no. Am I laggy for everybody? Sarah, hi. My Wi-Fi says it's good and I have everything else off. Oh, I hope it gets better. Not for you. Okay. Okay, good. All right. Well, Sarah, it might be you then. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm recording it though. So I'll send you the recording if it, if it really sucks bad. Um, okay. So birth doesn't have to suck. Totally believed it sucked. Totally sucked for me. Believed it even more, right? Totally believed it even more after that. Oh, birth will always be this way for me. That was the core belief there. Um, but it doesn't have to. We're taught. We're literally taught. We've been taught from such a young age that it's supposed to be painful and difficult, right? It's supposed to be this crappy experience. We're taught in TVs and movies, like all the media, it's supposed to be painful, awful experience. We're taught by everyone in our life, right? Our moms, our aunties, our grandmas, everybody has their story of like how bad it was. And they tell you, oh my gosh, it was so bad, but it's so worth it. And like, um, just like, that's just such a core belief of even the women that came before us, right? Because that was their experience. We're taught that we're cursed in the Bible and it's supposed to be that way. And um, you know, we were screwed over and now everybody has to have a painful birth experience. And I just don't agree. If it's supposed to be that way, why are there women experiencing these beautiful, amazing, pain-free experiences? Like, seriously, why are there? I mean, you don't have to answer that, but just some food for thought, right? So I believe it's not supposed to, it's not supposed to suck. I believe we've been set up. We have a system that's been set up for that. We've been taught that. We've just been like ingrained in our belief system from a very young age. Like I remember being little right? We used to play having babies or Barbies had babies and they were always in pain, right? They were always having this awful time. And then they got these babies and then it was fine. No big deal. But like, I don't think it's supposed to be that way. <clears throat> and the truth is it, it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be painful. Is labor, um, you know, what am I looking for? It, like, are you still going to feel it? Absolutely. Like I had a pain-free birth this last time. It was not painful. It was intense at the highest of the moments. Like I was in denial that I was even in labor. Like I knew that I was, but also like I didn't think that I was. It's like there's no way this is it. There's definitely no way that I'm in transition. Like I was napping right before I had my baby. And it was just one of those things like I set myself up for that, right? I did all the things that I knew I needed to do in order to have that experience. But because of my deep ingrained beliefs that I had worked on, you know, I worked on this stuff. But it's like, I didn't even know that that was what I was experiencing because it was unlike anything that I had experienced in the past. <clears throat> Where's my water? I'll talk forever and then I'll lose my voice. <laughs> <clears throat> so, the truth is birth doesn't have to be painful. Has anybody here already given birth? 
I know a lot of, I know several of you probably have. Was it painful for you? Like my first several kids, it was, it was brutal, especially like Pitocin entered the chat and all that stuff. Like it was, it was brutal. And when I learned that it didn't have to be that way, then the epidural came. Yeah. I've never had an epidural. So like I always, but I've had Pitocin three times with three of my births, I should say. Um, and man, that stuff was crazy. First time mama. Oh, I'm excited for you. I'm proud of you for doing this work, girl. I love it. Sometimes a lot of us have to go through like a crappy experience to be like, oh, okay, let's figure out how we do this a little bit better. Right. So I love when I have first time mamas in, in here doing all the things. Painful the first time, second time, barely uncomfortable. I love that. Good job. Um, so this was just one of those things. But like after I had a couple kids, then I started seeing these moms who, you know, were having these magical experiences, something I wished I, w- I was. I was like, oh, they're not lucky. They're they're putting in the work and they're pulling this off. Like, like they're totally making this for themselves. And I was like, that was awesome. Cause I didn't ever know that it was available to me. I thought that you were just one way or the other. And then that's what, like, those were the cards you were dealt. And I was like, it's not that I was never willing to put in the work. I didn't know that I could put in the work and get a different result. Right. Painful, with, p- painful with Pitocin, but asked to get off. And then it was just intense. Like you said, heck yeah. I love that. Yeah. Pitocin is no joke. Figured it out. I'm here. Oh, Lily. Yay. I'm glad you're here, girl. <laughs> welcome. Welcome. Um, so birth doesn't have to be painful. Here's, here's some, here's some data. Well, I'm like, let's get some statistics up in here. First time moms describing their pain. 23% said it was literally unbearable. They couldn't even, couldn't even get through it. Um, 65% explained it as very strong, like, like the most intense thing they've ever gone through basically. And then 9% said it was bearable, right? It was bearable pain, but still pain. But like, but we do the math on this and it adds up and there's a missing 3%. They didn't say anything about the 3% in the article, in the the research and stuff. This is from the National Institute of Health, by the way. Um, They didn't say anything about the 3%. And I'm like, hmm, I just believe that those are the people experiencing no pain, right? Because everything else is covered here in these statistics. So I believe that those are the moms that aren't experiencing pain during their labor experience. And like, that doesn't have to be the goal, but I just want you guys to be aware that a positive experience is possible. Like I wasn't even aiming for a pain-free birth. Yeah. Is that nice? Of course. Absolutely. But I wasn't aiming for a pain-free birth this last time. I was aiming to enjoy my experience. And that was something that was really important to me. I wanted to be present, mentally present for all of it. I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to feel safe. I wanted to feel loved. I wanted to feel comfortable. And I really wanted to enjoy my experience. I was chilling and got an epidural before I felt anything kind of made me sad. Yeah. And that's, you know what, there's no right way to birth. If you do your, you know, if you put in your research and do the things and you weigh the risks and the benefits and you decide, Hey, epidural is the best route for me. Heck yeah. I love that for you. As long as you're the one making the decision and it's not being pushed on you or you you don't think you have to do it for whatever reason, you know, feeling pressured in whatever way, whether by society or your doctor, or I had somebody that was like, why aren't you going to get the epidural? I will pay for it. Like, I'm like, first of all, insurance would cover it. It's not, it's not a matter of money. It's like, I don't want to do it. When I had my first baby, that was like my first, that was like my only, that was my whole birth plan was I wanted a vaginal birth and I wanted to avoid an epidural. That was a whole, that was a whole plan. And I accomplished my plan, right? And I did a great job, but it was like that experience left me feeling so defeated, like incredibly defeated. And I am going on a rabbit trail, but basically like 
they told me like, oh my gosh, you did it. Good job. Like everything went so well. And I was like, that was traumatizing. That was literally traumatizing. And, but I was gaslit and I was like, oh, you did such a great job and everything went so well. And it was perfect. I was like, wow, that's how it's supposed to be. That's crazy. I literally, I literally was like, there's no way, there's no way I can ever do this again. That was one of my first thoughts after having my baby. Anyways, let's move along. I believe we have things so backwards. Do I believe that laborers work? Yes, absolutely. I believe we just aren't being taught the things that we need to be taught in order to achieve a birth that doesn't suck, right? Birth trauma is not required to birth your baby. There's another statistic I had also from the National Institute of Health. 45% of first-time moms say they experienced birth trauma. That is not required to birth your baby. Does it happen sometimes? Yes. I think is it happening way too much and way too often and it can be totally avoidable in most scenarios? Yes, I do. Bad outcomes aren't required to birth your baby, coercion, manipulation, et cetera. The, all that's not required to birth your baby. And like, seriously, like when the hormone that literally creates contractions is nicknamed the love hormone, why is it supposed to be this crappy, awful situation? Why wouldn't having this amazing, beautiful, lighthearted situation where you feel safe and you feel heard and you feel adored, like, why wouldn't that be the goal instead of, hey, let's extremely medicalize this situation? Well, that leads me to my next point. <laughs> Let me not get ahead of myself. There's a birth industry. It's not a system. It's an industry. It's our current birth system is set up like a business. And that's just a fact. It doesn't, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but we are paying money in exchange for a service. That's, that's how it's set up. Okay. So that's just something to keep in mind as a business owner myself. You know, there's a certain, of course, I'm in the business of helping people and that's going to be always my main priority. But for a lot of businesses, an, an additional priority would be maximizing profits, creating return customers, you know, doing all the doing all the business things because you have to make money, right? That's the kind of the goal of a business. And the birth industry is a business. It operates the same way. I'm not saying everybody that's involved with the birth industry is trying to keep that as their top priorities, like maximizing profits and all that stuff. But like, we have to be at least a little bit like curious about that. Be like, hey, this is probably happening to some extent along the line somewhere, right? This is also a system that's created by men for women. And that's just a fact. It's just a fact. <laughs> you take that however you want, but it's just a fact. And it also hasn't changed much over the last several decades. And like, <clears throat> it's definitely set up to serve the providers and not the women it claims to be built for right? There's a lot of lies we're fed on a regular basis. Your hips are too small. Your baby's too big. You're too old. You're too fat. You can't X, Y, Z, like whatever that is, birthing on your back. You're not allowed to birth in any other way. You're not allowed to attempt a feedback. You're not allowed to eat during your labor experience. Like I could just sit here for hours and just go down the list, right? And we've just been led to believe that the body that has grown this entire human being plus a disposable organ from literal scratch, right? A couple ingredients and then builds this entire human, 10 little fingers, 10 little toes, all the things it needs to function all from scratch without any instruction. But that body doesn't know how to birth that baby. You can't convince me of that anymore. But I totally used to believe that because that's how I was, that's how I was made to believe things. That's how we're taught as a child from a young age. We already talked about that. Like we're just led to believe these things. I think that's bunkers. <laughs> but I used to believe it. So if you believe that too, you're not alone. I'm just here to disrupt the belief system. Okay. That's what, that's what I'm here for today. So we're not taught how to navigate this industry. We're just not, they're not, this, your 
your doctor is going to be like, hey, listen, like this is an industry. You need to learn that there are people that aren't like that don't have you at their best, you know, highest priority. We need to really think about that. We need to think about the how the thing is structured and how to navigate that. And like it's it's wanting to maximize profits and create repeat customers. So we're taught these things like like if you have a C-section, you have to have a repeat C-section. That's like a common thing, right? It's very, I talked to so many mamas and like they have to fight to to do a TOLAC, to do a trial of labor after a cesarean. And that's just part of this whole system that we have right now. Like simple things like that, like we're taught all these things that our body's broken and that then they implement an intervention and then it leads to another intervention and then it leads to this cascade. And then a lot of mamas end up on the OR table and- the doctor's like, oh my gosh, we saved your life. We saved your baby. And like some scenarios, yes, absolutely. I'm not saying interventions are bad. I love that we have interventions. They're amazing. I love that we have access to them, but a lot of them are being pushed on us. And I think a lot of them are being used unnecessarily. And it's important to see like the effects that that has, right? That comes with risks. It can lead to more interventions and sometimes and often does lead to things as serious as a C-section or rupture or like lots of different things, right? And then that creates like, now we're like, okay, now we believe our body is broken. And now we have to have all this help the next time because we had this experience the first time. So it's like, we're creating repeat customers. Not only that, you're going on saying, Hey, I know you've had people tell you like their birth story. (laughs) I'm like, a lot of people just need to keep their mouth shut. Um, (laughs) That's just my opinion on that. Um, But a lot of people will just push like, Hey, you know, Oh, I tried to do that and it failed, blah, blah, blah. Or this happened to me and it was really bad. So just be prepared for something like that. Like a lot of people like to tell their stories and like, they're just scattering their beliefs, pushing their beliefs on other people. And it's like, that's great. I love to learn from other people. And I think we should be learning from other people's experience, but like that doesn't have to be your experience just because they experienced it like that. Anyways, let me move on. I'm not going to try to go down any rabbit holes. I'm going to try to keep moving along. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Think about these for a second. Oh, man. I know we just talked about the interventions that can, they're usually pushed, right? When I had my first baby, there was no question. There was no education. There was no, hey, let me inform you on these things before we even talk about it. Like I took, I, girl, I thought I was so prepared going into that birth experience. I read all my pregnancy apps every single day. I went to every single appointment, asked all the questions. I was on Google, like a crazy nut job all the time, Googling everything I could get my hands on. Like I thought I was so prepared. I used to have lunch with my mom every day at my work. She would come and have lunch with me and we'd talk about her experiences and all the things. And um, I went to the birth prep class at the hospital. So your girl thought she was just the most prepared thing ever. I was like, I did all the work. I did everything they told me I was supposed to do. And when I went to that experience, there were so many things that I didn't even know what was happening. And like, they never mentioned Pitocin in the birth class at the hospital. They never said anything about that. They never said that they'd have to break your waters and what that looked like and what the risks and benefits of were that were of that. Goodness, I'm going to get all tripped up. Let me take some water break. So like interventions, like they told me, they literally said, Hey, we're going to get you started on Pitocin. Not, Hey, there's this thing that can help your labor progress, but it also comes with these risks. Is this something that you want to implement? Here's what that looks like. Here's the process of that. Here's how it might feel, blah, blah, blah. They didn't do any of that. They told, they didn't even ask me, Hey, is it okay if we do this? It was like, Hey, we're going to get you started on Pitocin. And then a couple hours later, it was like, Hey, we're going to break your waters. No question, no education, none of that. There was zero informed consent. So like these unnecessary interventions, like I was there for less than seven hours before I had my baby and they were rushing me through the entire process. 
And it got to the point where if my mom wasn't in that room to get me back on track, which she wasn't supposed to be there. Thank you, Jesus, as she was. If my mom wasn't there to get me back on track, I would have had a C-section that day. And I wholeheartedly believe that they were prepping me for one. They were talking about it. They were getting the room ready, all the things. And my life would look vastly different if that were the, the situation that day. I would not have as many children as I have. My oldest is six years old. Six years old, I have five kids. Like that's not allowed when you have C-sections. And then five C-sections, that's like, they'll, they'll literally tell you to like stop after like three or four. Do you have to? No, but they will. <laughs> they'll try to tell you that it's not okay. Um, I know somebody actually on TikTok, she's had eight C-sections. She just had her eighth one, which I think is crazy. It's amazing. <laughs> I don't know anybody else that's had that many. Anyways, think about our postpartum care situation. How many postpartum appointments did you have? If you've already given birth. When I had an uh, one, yeah. When I had OBs, I had one appointment. Six weeks later, I'm like, because they make more money off of you struggling than they do you being okay. Like, I do believe that's why it's set up that way. She dismissed me at three weeks. Yeah. That's not okay. With my midwife, she comes to my house like two days later. Then I go see her in the office like a week later, two weeks later after that again. And then I usually go four weeks and also six weeks. And I can text her at any time and talk to her about any of my concerns. And that's the kind of like that's the kind of situation that we need. Our our maternal care, like maternity leave, all that stuff. Like we are not set up for success by any stretch of the imagination. We are honestly set up for failure. And is it intentional? I don't know. But that's just the, how the system runs. And I just feel like we're being set up for failure. The um the system that we have is just backwards. And I know like some people are trying to make it better, and I love that. And I do see change happening, especially from several years back when I had my first, like I do see some people implementing things like more postpartum care and less pushed interventions and more informed consent. Like I do see that happening and I love that there is a shift happening in the industry, but that's not the case for every situation. And we need to be prepared to navigate the industry for what it is. That's just a fact. Three, one week later, three weeks, six weeks. Yeah. I love that. That's, that's a little more like it, right? Um, more support is needed for sure. Yeah. In every aspect of the situation. Also the fact that there's, there's non-evidence-based care happening. We literally have evidence. Like think about, we have so much information at our fingertips. We have evidence that shows us the, the better way of doing things. Right. And oftentimes like pushing on your back, that is known as one of the worst positions to push your baby in because it's literally working against what your body's trying to do. You're pushing a baby up and out of your birth canal versus working with gravity instead of against it. Like it's, it's has so much better outcomes and like the evidence is there yet 65% of women give birth on their back because they're told that they have to by their provider. When I had my third baby, they physically turned me over. They told me I could not, I fought them for a little bit, but I was, I didn't have any more energy to fight them. I didn't know how to properly fight them on it. And they physically put their hands on me, turned me over. Well, I was on my hands and knees. It was an awful situation. That was that was the moment when I was like, oh, wow. It's like a revelation. I'm like, oh, these people actually don't care about me. They care about themselves more than me. Like, did they care about me? Maybe, sure. But they cared about themselves more. That was all done for the provider's convenience, right? We have to realize that some people are prioritizing their convenience or their paycheck or their risk aversement over, over us. And that's just a reality that has to sometimes be navigated. And it's better to have that information and, and kind of assume that versus like going into a situation, trying to assume the best of somebody. It's just like it does happen. So it's important to 
to prepare ourselves for that. Hopefully you don't have to navigate that, but it's important to understand that it is a possibility and you should be prepared. Oh, oh let me see what I miss. What did I miss in the chat? My OB is my gyno from my early years of womanhood. So we have lengthy relationship. I love that. Yeah. I'm grateful for that. Yeah. And it causes negligence. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think I always call it like in when I first started having kids, I definitely looked at my providers as like this authority figure that I had to listen to. And then I had to like, you know, answer to, and like they called the shots and I was just like there. Right. But that's not the truth. And I think honestly, like it's kind of a created dynamic and we're kind of taught like your provider knows best and they're here to help you and blah, blah, blah. And like they are right. But I'm like, we should more have more so have like a partnership. I call it the provider patient partnership. And yes, I usually like mix up those words, but it's so much different when there's a partnership. Like my midwife, she's a friend of mine at this point. I love her. And and we have conversations and it's not like this quick little, okay, you're going to see the doctor for five minutes and quick, ask your questions. And then they're going to move on to the next one. And you're treated like a number. Like when I had my third baby towards like the end of my pregnancy with my third baby, I had been seeing the same providers for all three of my kids. And I had three under three. So it was like quick back to back, right? I was pregnant for more than I was not pregnant. And the provider walks in. He's like, hi, nice to meet you. I'm so-and-so. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. You literally delivered my first kid. (laughs) You don't even know me. And I've been coming here for months and I literally saw you like three weeks ago. He didn't even know who I was. And I'm like, oh man, it just kind of shows like how, and like, that's not their fault. I know there's a heavy workload and stuff. Like it's not that provider's fault, right? He's got so many patients he's seeing every single day. Like we are usually in a system that we're just a number in. And it's important to understand that. So it's time to flip the script. Just a reminder that you're in charge and you hold all the authority um, because I think so often we get it backwards. So um, just a little friendly reminder for today. And that's going to bring me into my third point. Birth is way more mental than it is physical. Don't get me wrong. Birth is physical. It can t- it, it can be painful. It can take a lot from your body. Like It's probably one of the most strenuous things you will ever go through in your entire life. It demands to be felt. It's a thing, right? Especially if you do experience a painful situation, it's probably going to be one of the biggest things your body ever does. Your body's been going through so much during your pregnancy. I saw somewhere, I don't even know, like, don't quote me on this because I didn't look into it, but I I totally believe it, right? Our body goes through more changes in that nine months than a man's ever does in their entire life. And that's just crazy to think about how many things have to shift and change in order to grow this literal life. And then you have to birth this life. And that's a, that's a lot of work and it can be a lot of work. Um, so it is physical. Don't get me wrong, but your body does know what to do. And also your mind is built to keep you safe. Every single day of your life, your brain's job is to keep you safe and alive, right? Oh, don't touch the stove. That's hot. It'll hurt you. Your brain knows that it's a thought like, oh, you see the, I don't know. Do you have intrusive thoughts like me? And like, oh, what if I just like ran right into the to the door jam or what if I just like (laughs) yeeted off the stairs (laughs) it's just one of those things like our brain is but it's like hey don't do that it's your brain reminding you hey don't do that that could that could cause some serious issues or kill you unalive you I guess I don't have to censor myself I'm not on TikTok you should have to say the the right words um so such intrusive thoughts yeah especially when you add a baby to the mix you're like what if I just what if I just threw my baby what if I just dropped that (laughs) It's like, but your brain is giving you these thoughts because it's like, hey, remember, that's not okay to do. 
That's not okay. It's your brain's job every single day to keep you safe and alive. It's its core function. I know your brain does other stuff, but like that's the core function. So your brain is going to feed you thoughts, right? So your body knows what to do. It doesn't need any instructions, just like it didn't need instructions to build that human being. So your body's going through this situation and your brain is going to get to the point where it's like, it's scared, right? It's normal to fear your birth experience. It's normal to have these yucky thoughts come up. Like I can't do this. This is too hard. What if something bad happens? All these things, right? And it's just normal, but we have to understand how to prepare a mind for our birth. Um, okay. We aren't taught how to prepare a mind for our birth experience. I don't know about you, but when I took the birth prep class, birth prep class in the hospital, they didn't tell me anything about my mindset. They taught me how to do some breathing techniques. They taught me how to do a couple labor positions, which I thought was great, but they didn't teach me anything about my brain. And when it's a fact that birth is more mental than physical, why are they not teaching that stuff? Another reason why I think we're just set up for failure in this experience. I think it's really important. And they might be teaching that now. This was years ago, but like, it's definitely not the forefront of the experience. And I think it should be. The other thing is the other side of this is I think all the preparation work that I do with my clients and with my students, like, I think it's all mindset work. I think preparing your partner and understanding like, Hey, my, my partner's on the same page as me. They're prepared to support me in the way that I want to be supported. They know my expectations. They've agreed to, you know, meet those expectations to the best of their ability. Like that creates such a peace of mind and it's mindset work, right? It's all contributing to a healthy, positive mindset for that day. And does your mindset have to be positive? No, but it's all contributing to feeling safe and comfortable and heard and loved and all the things that we need to feel in order to have a pleasant experience. Um, why is this important? Because fear literally creates pain. This is called the fear, tension, pain cycle. So fear enters the chat in our little brain. We get scared. Here's the thought. What if I have to have a C-section? What if I have to fire a nurse? What if my baby's breached? What if blah, 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 like all these different things. Um, my last experience was so bad. What if it's just like that? All these different things, these little fears that pop in our head, those fears create tension in our body. And you've probably heard me tell this story before, but I'm going to tell it really quick. When I, when my oldest was little, she was like two, maybe she was upstairs in her bed and I'm downstairs, right? Doing what I'm doing. It's nighttime. She's sleeping. I start hearing her scream, screaming bloody murder, right? My brain immediately goes to worst case scenario. Somebody is up there hurting her. Somebody got past me. Somebody climbed in through the window, something bad. She's, she's dying, right? Somebody is up there hurting her. So I bucket up the stairs, bust open, bust into her room. I see her little body. She's pointing. She can't even say her words. She's so scared. There's like so much, like you can see it in her body, like the tension that's there. And then I flick on the lights because obviously she's pointing to something. Let's figure out what it is. She's pointing to a pile of stuffed animals that wasn't there before, <laughs> right? It had, it had accumulated that day. We were moving stuff and all of that. And so she's, her little brain is went to worst case scenario, just like mine did when I was like, oh, somebody's up there hurting her, right? Did I think that was possible? No, but my brain immediately jumped to that conclusion. Someone's up there hurting her. And her little brain probably jumped immediately to, that's a big, scary thing that's going to hurt me instead of what else could it be, right? <laughs> like in that in that moment, it's so hard to be logical about things because your brain is going to go to that worst case scenario in order to keep you safe because that's its core function. So that fear creates tension in our bodies. And let me tell you what, when I turned that light on and she realized that it was stuffed animals, she was fine. The, the tension literally left her body. You could see it. She looked lighter. She was able to use her words again. She was able to calm herself down. And then she was able to go back to sleep. 
had I never given her the answer, like, hey, that's just a giant pile of stuffed animals. If she never realized that throughout the night, do you think she'd be sleeping peacefully 10 minutes later? Probably not because there's too much tension in her body. She's not able to calm herself down because she didn't have any of the answers that her brain needed. So when we have these what ifs pop up, what if I have to have a C-section? What if my baby's breached? What if my VBAC fails? What if I have to transfer during my home birth? What if I have to fire a nurse? Answer those questions. Give your brain some something to work with instead of all this running around room, going to worst case scenario, doing all these like freaking gymnastics in your brain, like jump into all these crazy conclusions and like give your brain some evidence, make a game plan, do all the things. And that's going to help you try to calm those fears because fear creates tension and tension creates pain. And then when we have that pain in our body, right, when our body's trying to release and open and relax to birth this baby. So that tension is creating the opposite. It's creating that tense situation. And when our body's trying to do that, it's like it's working against each other. And that's what creates the pain. And then we go on this little circle around. We keep going around and around on a little merry-go-round. Not a fun one, a bad one, because then things start to get more painful. And then you start to get more scared. Oh, man, this is way worse than I thought it was going to be. This is really bad. And then more tension and then more pain. And then it keeps going around and around and around and usually creates a very crappy outcome. And this is just what a lot of people experience when they don't deal with those fears and work on their mindset and do all the things. So preparing your mind for your birth can drastically, drastically change your experience. And I think it's very important work to do. It's one of my favorite things to work on with my clients, with my students. Like I I could talk about this stuff all day long and I love completely blowing your mind with shifting your beliefs. I love it. It's one of my favorite things. <laughs> um, so let's do a quick recap. Good. I make great time, guys. That was a lot of information in 30 minutes. Quick recap. Birth doesn't have to suck. It can be this beautiful, amazing experience. It doesn't have to look like giving birth in your living room. That's how I have my babies. But you don't have to have a home birth in order to have a beautiful, amazing experience. There's people having amazing experiences in birth centers and hospitals and all the things. You just have to know how to create that for yourself. There's a birth industry. Be aware of it. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just something to be aware of, something to learn how to navigate you can navigate it. You can rise above it. You don't have to be a victim of the system. You can create whatever result you're looking for. Um, I definitely strongly put this little note out here. Choosing your provider is the most important decision you can make surrounding your birth experience. <laughs> I believe that wholeheartedly. I think your provider can make or break your experience. And that's just one of those things to be aware of and all the things. So next it's more mental than physical and this is also not a problem it's something to just be aware of and something to plan for start preparing your mind start to get really curious on the thoughts that are running through your head in the weeks and months leading up to your birth experience and start to dissect those get really curious with yourself why am i thinking that why do i believe that what would it look like if i believed something different how can i get this is what i want to believe how can i get there i know like i don't want to shift from like this is going to be the worst thing ever to this is going to be the best thing ever. You might not be able to get around that. How can you like take little baby steps to get there? I call them bridge, bridge thoughts, right? How can we bridge that situation, right? Does it have to be this awful, terrible experience? No. What can it be? How can I feel? How can I be in control that day? I can create an essence of where like I feel in control. How can I feel supported? How can I set people up to support me that day? All these little things that could 
potentially lead you to that experience that you want and believing that that's possible for you. But, it, you know, the little bridge thoughts that get you there. Um, is that everything? I think so. Ooh, that was a lot. And I know I talk fast. I'm sorry. You just got to keep up. Start popping those questions in the chat. Before I get to your the answers, I'm going to share something with you guys. How do I do this? We're going to stop the share. I'm going to see my face again. Gross. Um, I'm like so sick today. I look it for sure. <laughs> I'm going to share this with you guys. Also, we don't. you don't have to put your questions in the chat if you don't want to. We can chat face-to-face in a second. Wait, how do I do this? I haven't done one of these things in months and they changed Zoom like once a month, I swear. Here we go. There's that on my end. I know you can't see it yet. I'll just show you really quick. I just wanted to share you guys. I'm opening the doors for the birth prep course again. And I just wanted to quickly share some of that stuff with you. I'm just going to show you the sales page. I can send you the link. I did a whole little video that there's a birth industry. I know we just talked about that. So feel free to skip that. Same kind of stuff. I'm just going to, I don't know what I'm going to show you. The birth prep course is open. This is my signature offer where I have like all of this stuff and so much more. Like this is just like a little, this is all stuff that I do teach in my course, but it's like a drop in the bucket compared to what's in there. (laughs) It's like, I teach you guys how to navigate this situation, how to make sure that you're getting the care and support that you want and deserve all the things. Little students, what they're saying. It's just like, imagine how it would feel to be basically be on top of everything be in control of your experience, advocating for yourself, having a team that's ready to support you in the way you want and need all the stuff because your dream birth is not too good to be true. It's absolutely possible. Just kind of a little, I'll just show you what's inside because there's a lot, there's a lot on this page. <laughs> if you want to read it, feel free. I'm going to give you the link in just a second. Um, this is like the, what we cover each week and you can go through it at your own pace. This is, you guys get access for life and any updates, of course, but this is like the core, like there's one week about planning, informing, prepping, and creating. Um, and there's a bunch of resources inside of each one. I'll show you really quick. Do, 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 do. So this is all inside the plan module. So you're going to get two presentations, all these little goodies. And then there's like mini trainings and stuff throughout it. So you guys get, there's a bunch of content in there and there's a lot of resources to help you on this journey of preparing for your birth experience. Um, I'm also going to be adding some stuff over the next few weeks. So you guys are going to get whatever I add to it as well. Like I'm going to do like a birth debrief for like afterwards, you can come back and do the debrief and all the things. Um, cart closes in six days. That's crazy. Ooh. So anyways, no more cookie cutter birth experiences. Time to create the birth of your dreams, whatever that looks like for you. How do I stop this? I just wanted to show you that really quick. Um, okay. I'm going to get to these questions. If you want to come unmuted and ask them in person, feel free. Not many questions here. Just want to show off baby. <laughs> I love that. I love our website theme of colors. Oh, thank you. I'm obsessed with them. It's like my favorite. I love them. They make me happy. Um, I love showing off the baby. Uh, man, I love a good baby. I get baby fever really, really fast and easy. Do you have tips on a transfer plan? We're thinking about doing birth center or home birth for number two. And I feel overwhelmed about the what ifs of something going awry and needing to go to the hospital. 
that would be an awesome thing to chat about with your provider as well. Like um, usually they have like a typical transfer plan, but just having like a go bag, making sure you have everything you need in the car. Um, if it comes down to it, like having somebody ready to call 911 if needed. Um, trans- I There's another thing, like when you're interviewing providers, when you're doing consults and stuff, ask what their transfer rate is and see like how often they do that. Um, and that kind of gives you an idea of like, okay, they're probably pretty equipped to handle most things in the moment. Like I was pleasantly surprised. And I think my husband definitely was pleasantly surprised because I had had these conversations with my midwife. But um, when we had a home birth, the, our first one was with baby number four. So at that point, like it was kind of hard for him to go to all the appointments with me, even though he wanted to, it was kind of difficult because we had all these kids to watch. Um, so he didn't get to go to most of them. So he wasn't in all the conversations that I was having. So I knew she was going to pull up with a whole bunch of medical supplies and all the things. And um, she did, right? She came with a whole big wheelie thing. She had like oxygen. She had Pitocin. She had IV supplies and stuff. If I needed fluids, she had all the monitoring um, things. I mean, so do I at this point. <laughs> I have like a box of birth supplies. <laughs> you know, just in case I need to attend a birth on the fly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so just like ask your doc, ask your provider, like, Hey, what's the, tr- what do you typically recommend for a transfer plan? Um, what does that look like? Just kind of walk through some hypotheticals and say, what would it get to the point? Like, what do you normally transfer for? Like what's your transfer rate and what is it normally for? So that would be some good information to get from them and give you some peace of mind too. Like in in our head, it's like, oh, it's probably like, there's a big percentage of like chance of having to transfer. And it kind of gives you like some grounding and like, oh, actually it's not that bad. There's an 8% chance, right? Transfer rates, 8%. That's an 8% chance that I'm going to have to transfer for whatever reason. Um, So didn't even think about that. I'll have to write that down. Yeah. Heck yeah. Great question though. I think that's really important to consider. When I, that was one of my fears when I had baby number four, I was so scared of him being breached. And that was just one of my biggest fears. I had to like find out where that was coming from. I had to talk myself out of it, coach myself on it. I had to get evidence, right? I had to go get an extra ultrasound. I had to do all this work. I could literally feel his butt and move his butt. But I was like, that's not enough. I need to see this baby is head down and like, but what if the baby turns while I'm in labor and like nobody knows and this baby starts coming feet first and it's a big problem and I have to transfer and it's the worst thing ever. And then I get to the hospital, I have to have the C-section with this baby hanging half out of me. It was like, that was like the worst, that was where my brain kept going. It's like, okay, Taylor, like, let's make a game plan. What does transferring look like? What does a breach birth look like? Hey, provider, this is my big fear. How do you typically handle a breach birth situation? Have you been trained to, you know, attend a breach birth? All this stuff, right? So our brain can be like, this is so scary. But then when we start giving ourselves some information. It's like, oh, actually it's doable. We have a plan set in place if it if things go wrong, right? Um yeah, I hemorrhaged pretty bad with number one and needed a transfusion. So I'm trying to avoid that this time. I'm sorry you had that experience. Do you know why you hemorrhaged or just like was a lot of the girls that I talked to like they were pushing for hours. And like, it kind of like just happened from the experience, but also sometimes there's like a reason for it. Right. Um, what are some questions I can ask my provider early in my pregnancy 
to make sure they can, will support my birth plan and goals? That's an awesome question because a lot of providers aren't having the birth plan conversation until the end of your pregnancy, 36, 37, 38 weeks pregnant. And like, that's way too late because what if they're not willing or able to facilitate the type of experience that you're trying to create for yourself, right? So bringing your birth plan saying, hey, First of all, I know this is just a plan and we're going to get all this information during my pregnancy and things may have to change, right? We get more information, we reassess, we have to possibly change the plan. I get that. But as it stands right now, if everything goes according to plan, this is the plan. This is what I'm wanting. This is the experience that I'm trying to create for myself and for my baby. Is this something that you're, first of all, able to facilitate for me? And is it something you're willing to do? Um, yeah. I'm like red flags for me are like if they're not even willing to have the birth plan conversation until the end of your pregnancy, red flag. Um, <clears throat> if they, um, goodness, I just did like a whole, where was I talking about this at? Maybe in a training? I don't even remember. I just talked about this the other day. Um, but yeah, just having conversations saying, hey, this is the plan. What does that look like? This is what I'm trying to accomplish is this something that you facilitate? How can we do that? Like, cause if your plan is a birth in a tub and you find out 36, 37 weeks that they don't even have tubs, like that's, that's not possible. Like I got to go find someone else to do this, right? You can fire your provider at any point in time, but it's a lot easier the sooner you do it in most experiences, obviously. Um, my uterus didn't contract properly and I pushed for a while and I guess really hard. Yeah. That's like the most common situation that I see. Like that's like, happens a lot with women that are purple pushing, being coached to push, pushing for extended periods of time, um, things like that. And if you know that information, you can try to avoid those situations, like waiting for your body to start pushing naturally or just, you know, breathing through your pushes instead of like bearing down and like holding your breath and all the things, um, those can be helpful in that scenario, not recreating that experience for yourself. One of, does that answer your question, Amber? Think of some other questions that we can ask. Um, yes, definitely. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome, girl. I'm glad I answered your question. Um, I think it, is there anything else I want to tell you about that? I, I, even like asking them, well, what is your definition? of a natural birth experience. I don't know what kind of experience you're trying to create, but like, what is your definition of a natural birth experience? Like, what is your, like, what does that look like for you? Like, what, how do you typically do things? Like asking them what their standard practice is, because the truth is every single provider, I don't care if it's a midwife or OBGYN, every single provider out there already has a birth plan for you. They have a way they typically like to do things. It's just a matter of how willing they are to stray from that plan and do what you want to do for your birth experience right? Like my provider has a way she typically likes to do things. There are things that I don't do that she typically does. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. And my, but she's like, yeah, heck yeah. Right on board. No questions asked. You know, best you're the patient. No problem. So like kind of asking them like, well, what's your birth plan? <laughs> Let's see how far off these two scenarios are. And if we can come to a mutual understanding, obviously more so on your side, but can we get to where I want to be based off of how you typically do things? Because a lot of providers are like, it's my way or the highway. So just like, that's important to understand. Like, how do you typically do things? Looking at reviews of your doctor is important. 
asking in like local Facebook groups, hey, did anybody have so-and-so as a provider? I'd love to pick your brain for a little bit. I have a couple questions. What did that look like for you? What things were really great? What things were really bad? Um, just kind of learning more about them and how they typically do things. And then you can know like what to expect from there. Um, Kristen said, one of my biggest question marks is when, in your opinion, is Pitocin necessary? I know there's times they will push it on you to fit their time frame and agenda, but there are times where Pitocin can backfire, but other times it may actually be necessary. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's no right answer here. I do believe it's being used far too often. There's literally a black box warning in the Pitocin insert to not use for elective inductions. And it's being used for that purpose every single day. It's like, don't use this for the, for this. And I'm like, this is how we do this every single time. Right. And elective inductions are becoming much more of a thing. So I do believe it's being used far too often. Um, I do believe it still has a lot of benefits if needed. Right. So we've been in labor. We've been at the hospital for a while. We've been having contractions for hours and hours. Our waters have been broken. We're getting to that point where the, our risk of infection is going to increase. Um, you know, all these things increase at this point, like how can we move things along? That might be a great time to implement it. Your body's not progressing like it should be, um, things like that. It's kind of just like, there's no right answer. It's kind of just something you have to understand all the risks and like, at what point, like you kind of have to just go through the scenario, like, okay, at what point are the risks going to outweigh the benefits? And at what point is that going to flip? And the benefits of this going to outweigh the risks that are on the table, right? Okay, if you don't get this baby out within three hours because your waters have been broken all day long, if you don't get this baby out within a few hours or we don't get to a contraction pattern by, you know, midnight or whatever, um, then we, we're going to be talking about a C-section at that point. Okay, well, we wanted to avoid the C-section. So, yeah, maybe we implement the Pitocin. Now we try that next. Um, so, it's just, it's at your discretion. It's something to just educate yourself on and understand why would I want to do this and why would I want to avoid this? And then just kind of playing things by ear. Unfortunately, I hate that because that we like, I know I want to have all the answers before I go into a situation, but that's not the case with birth because it can take any twist and turn that day. And we kind of just have to be prepared to navigate it for what it is. Um, there's a lot of surrender that happens during the birth experience. Even just like, I don't know when I'm going to be having this baby. I went 10 days late last time and that was difficult for me to navigate. Even as a coach, I do this all the time. I talk to women all the time about like, hey, it's no big deal. The risk doesn't go up till 42 weeks. It's not a problem, blah, blah, blah. But every single day after I was overdue, I had to, I was struggling with the thoughts of like, okay, well, what if something bad happens? What if I also had like a previous miscarriage before that? So like that was adding to the level of like, what ifs? And like, what if I actually never meet this baby? What if like all these thoughts, right? Um, I should have put a trigger warning on that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, does that help Kristen? Make sure to check health grades for reviews. I found out the hard way with Google. I don't know anything about that. Let me look that up. And for you people that have already had babies, review your provider, even if it's a good review. It's important to put that stuff out there, especially I have a friend on the internet. Um, if you're on TikTok, which you probably are, because that's how most people find me. Um, but she's having a baby is on TikTok. That's her username. And she um, advocates for black maternal health and things like that. And she said one of the best things white women can do for black women is to leave reviews of their experience, because at the very least, that's what these providers are capable of. So they should expect at the very least that experience. Right. So it's very important on so many accounts, right, to do that, but also like thinking of things like that, too. 
Um, yeah, I just know. What? Um, the reason I say health grades and not Google is um, they can remove, they can call and remove Google reviews. I reviewed my OB and they removed my review from the website. <gasps> Garbage. Okay. So I just made a new account and reviewed it again. I'm going to look into that and start recommending it too. Thank you for saying that. That's interesting. Yeah, I know you can get stuff removed on Google. I know it's hard, but I also know that it's possible. So, um, yeah, that's that's awful. I'm sorry that happened. Your voice demands to be heard as a paying customer. That's just a fact. Yeah, I know there are too many times they push it on mothers, so that is helpful. Yeah, and they do, right? They like to stick their timelines. They do have policies in place. And, like, hospital policy is not law. It's not required of you, any of that stuff. Um, so yeah, just, it's very important to understand possibilities and how to navigate things. And like, I always say when you're sitting down creating your birth plan, say like, okay, I want to avoid Pitocin. Okay. But what if, what if that becomes the best option? So at that point you need to know why you want to avoid Pitocin kind of understand, Hey, these are the risks of Pitocin. These are the side effects, but these are also the benefits. And this might be something that I want to do because at some point the benefits might outweigh outweigh the risks, right? It might be the best option for you in that moment. You don't know that. That's why it's so important to inform yourself on all of the options and understand the risks and benefits for each one. That way you can apply it to your situation. And then in the moment, if you have to make a new decision, you have all the information you need to do that. So don't sleep on this work. It's so important. I'm going to put the link in the chat for this course. If you guys want to join, I'd love to have you. Um, is there any more questions you guys have for me before we wrap up? I did it. I stayed within an hour. I'm so proud of myself. I don't think that's ever happened before. <laughs> Once I get going on this stuff, it's hard to stop. So, and I'm out of water. Perfect timing. All right, ladies. This was a blast. Thanks for hanging with me. I hope it was helpful. And if you need anything, reach out. Um, best place to contact me, unfortunately, is not my email, but you can email me and I'll probably see it eventually. It just might take a couple days. But the fastest response you'll get from me is either in Discord or on in my Instagram DMs. So absolutely. Thank you guys for being here. Congratulations to you. I'm so excited for you. I hope everything goes better than you're expecting. Sweet baby. Oh my gosh. How old is that baby? <laughs> um he hit a month on the 10th oh, i can't so sweet congrats girl i still never got my pool back by the way your pool oh my gosh they took it and they never even gave it back to you yeah that's not even fair all and nice to meet you i didn't even know that was you girl nice to meet you too <laughs> in person yeah. right we talk all the time on live stream um oh my gosh that's crazy oh, i'd be this calling charlie hello charlie hi sweet charlie oh and how are you doing mama are you doing good and you know touch and go touch and go yeah it's difficult three months first three months is rough i think he has sleep apnea oh that's rough i'm sorry well i hope you get answers on that soon and solutions too of course hope you're getting the rest you need yeah um, yeah i know i'm like easier said than done right thanks <laughs> it's um, worth it though i mean oh it is oh man it's so worth it for people who 
you know, I said I was never going to have kids. Yeah. It's a hundred percent worth it, especially after everything, you know, C-section and all so worth it. I love that. Oh, I'm so glad he's finally in your arms. That makes my heart so happy. I don't want to put him down. No. Yeah. I get that. Like I could stare at those little tiny faces for hours. Mm. I love well, congratulations. So fast. I know it it happens so fast. I'm like they don't keep, man. That's why I have so many children. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm the newborn. I just my baby's already huge. She's almost six months old. I'm like, it just goes by so fast. Like Yeah, he was seven pounds five ounces and now he's ten pounds one ounce. Oh my gosh. Chubby little babe. I love it. No. <laughs> well, enjoy that sweet baby. Thanks to your birth prep, I am. Oh, good. I love that. <laughs> it was great to to you know chat with you in the weeks and months leading up to your birth experience. I loved yeah, every I time. Like, I'm gonna bring my. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Always a blast when you enter the chat. <laughs> I love it. All right, guys. I'm gonna hop off of here. I'm gonna go squeeze my baby, and I will see y'all later. Happy day. Happy prepping, everybody. Mm-hmm.